Hello and welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. On this week's show, we get superhero heavy. Disney Plus's Echo gets a king-sized addition to the cast. Not only do we know who will be holding the shield in Captain America 4, but now we know who will be directing the movie. And Stranger Things spin-offs are on the way, while very early Season 5 details have started to emerge. Plus, trailer time becomes turtle time, and Kevin Smith clocks in for one more shift at the quick stop. So join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. What's up, geeks? My name is Kev, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we're Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gamings, and all things Geekcentric. We're back with another edition of This Week in Geek, where we'll look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. Of course, I can't do this on my own. Now, if this week's podcast takes place in the Clerks universe, I'll take on the role of Dante. I'm cranky, whiny even, and I'm not even supposed to be hosting today. Which, of course, means I'll be joined by a couple of loiterers who are up to no good. They're the best entertainment opinion dealers in the neighborhood. Of course, I'm referring to just and not so silent Nate. How are we, boys? <laughs> Snoochie boochies, baby. Yo, How are you? Snoochie boochies is Boochie. apparently what they say uh, in those movies. Uh, so I've been told. Yes. <laughs> so you, I'm doing good. We'll, yeah. we'll say you haven't viewed the Viewaskew universe that much then, eh? No, I can't wait to talk about the the trailer and, and hear what you guys have to think about it for sure. Awesome, awesome for sure. Uh, I will say I do apologize. Uh, we we did start recording a little late today. I uh, ran out to get some ice cream. I had a craving, uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I I, I just I've decided ice cream isn't a, a summer treat. Uh, I know what? it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy, but the melting <laughs> it gets to me, man. My cone melts too quickly. It gets all over the place. <laughs> Uh, I am I am a winter ice cream and popsicle guy from here on out. I know it's That's... I know it's ridiculous, <laughs> but uh, I just uh, but I did want to ask. I've, I've recently not that I haven't always loved DQ. I love blizzards, uh, especially Smarties all day long. Uh, mm-hmm. But their soft serve soft serve ice cream, just a simple vanilla cone, is just like oh man, it is the best soft serve ice cream. Ever. And so I wanted to know what you guys, you know, like if you guys have any favorite ice cream places or treats or anything like that. Oh, Dairy Queen is definitely my go-to um, if I were to think of ice cream treats. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely go for a banana milkshake. But yeah, sometimes that uh, vanilla soft serve, that is that is the perfect style. Uh, unless you get the dip, you know, when they dip it. Yeah, see, the I know, I know the, dip, the, the dip's popular. Uh, we have an ice cream truck that comes by our block. Sarah Sarah can hear those bells coming from a couple <laughs> streets away. Uh, this this guy dips the, the, the vanilla into Oreo crumble. Uh, so she's she's been digging on that lately. Uh, but no, I, I'm basic, man. Give me that simple, straight-up vanilla cone. For me, um, unfortunately, I don't... I don't <clears throat> I live in a pretty rural area, so we don't really have too many DQs or anything around us. So for me, uh, hit up the gas station, pick up an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's, uh, or uh, sorry, a half pint of Ben and Jerry's. I don't know if I should be saying I'm eating an entire pint because <laughs> I, I eat it all in one sitting. It's a small little thing, so I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm allowed to. But dude, peanut butter half baked 
is so freaking dope. Um, that's that's definitely my my go to. But Kevin, you're 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 doing ice cream wrong in the summer. Okay, here's the thing, I get it. The DQ soft serve is incredible, but if you look at it funny, it melts immediately. You got to go with something a little more, a little more robust. Get out to the Kawarthas, you know, hit up the Kawarthas there. That's some robust ice cream. And then what you got to do, I'm telling you, dude, go cone, but take the cone, go a little Stranger Things with it, turn it upside down, and pop it into a cup, right? And now you've got the best of both worlds. Hannah Montana taught us. That that's how you're supposed to eat ice cream. So I'm wait, what do you do? Ice eat cream the, what do you eat the cone you, first? The cone is your spoon. The cone is oh. your freaking spoon, my guy. Oh. Come on, right. okay. come on. Yeah, that's okay, the way to do it. I'm I'm heading up to that area for the next week for uh, some cottage time. So uh, when I go get get myself some mint choco chip Kawartha's yes. ice cream. I'm going yep. to try that out, and uh, I'll report back to you to let you know how my cone spoon experiment works. Perfect. Let it melt ice just a little hacks. bit. Let it melt just yeah. a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. <laughs> and then you'll just be able to scoop that up, and then you get to eat your spoon. It's amazing. See, it's look amazing. at that. I'm, I'm glad I brought this up. I came to the right guy <laughs> to, to get some help on my ice cream woes. <laughs> well, I, I just like that you uh, somehow use this to, to make a Stranger Things reference. Uh, <laughs> and so it's almost the perfect segue the for our first story. So I think we should just jump right into the news. It's all about the details. All right, so as I mentioned at the top, a lot of our news has to do with superhero-related shows. Um, and, and so I know Stranger Things, that's not the first thing you think of, but I do really think we we saw in this last season L11 uh, really emerge as a superhero, uh, especially yeah. for her group of friends. So this first story comes from Zach Scharf. Man, that's a, that's a dangerous name there. Uh, Zach Scharf <laughs> over at Variety. Uh, and it deals with Stranger Things 11, or perhaps a lack of 11, in the upcoming spin-off shows from the Duffer Brothers. Uh, Stranger Things 4 has been a pop culture phenomenon for Netflix and ranks as the streamer's most-watched English-language TV season. The show is easily the streaming giant's most blockbuster franchise, so it's hardly shocking to hear it will continue even after the fifth and final season. Series creators Matt and Ross Duffer are developing a Stranger Things spin-off but don't expect a series entirely centered on the likes of Millie Bobby Brown's Eleven or Joe Keery's Steve. I've read these rumors that, that there's going to be a Steve and Dustin spinoff or it's another number, the Duffer Brothers recently said on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. That's not interesting to me because we've done all that. We've spent, I don't know how many hours exploring all of that. So it's very different. The Duffer Brothers said the spinoff will be 1,000% different, in fact, than the flagship series. The biggest connective tissue between the original Stranger Things show and the upcoming spinoff will be storytelling sensibility and not main characters. Uh, the Duffer Brothers went on to say, hopefully we find that right person to pass the baton to while we go on to do new stuff, adding they're really jazzed about their spinoff idea. The duo said not even Netflix knows what they're planning yet for the spinoff. As for the upcoming Stranger Things 5, the Duffer Brothers said fans can expect a somewhat shorter and far quicker paced season. Uh, they said the only reason we don't expect it to be as long is because if you look at it, it's almost a two-hour ramp-up before our kids really get drawn into the supernatural mystery. You get to know them, you get to see them in their lives, what they're struggling with, adapting to high school, and so forth. Steve's trying to find a date, all of that. None of that, obviously, is going to be occurring in the first two episodes of season 5. For the first time ever... 
we don't wrap things up at the end of season four, so it's going to be moving. I don't know that it's going to be moving 100 miles an hour at the start, but it's going to be moving pretty fast. Characters are already going to be in action. They're already going to have a goal and a drive, and I think that's going to carve out at least a couple hours and make this final season feel really different. So uh, what are our thoughts on the spinoff of Stranger Things not having much to do or anything to do perhaps with our our beloved cast? And uh, does this get you excited for season five, knowing it's going to be hitting the ground running and we're, we're going to be on and, and running right away? I think, you know, <clears throat> we're not going to spoil anything from uh, the last season of Stranger Things. Um, cause if you haven't watched it already, go watch it. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, and then you can, you can check out our spoiler cast, but, um, I will say it's from where we leave our, our group and where we leave Hawkins, the fact that they're hitting the ground running makes total sense for season five. There's, you know, based on what's going on, there's no reason that they need to be worrying about, you know, the other kids at the school or, or anything like that um, for the normal reasons that he might be worrying about them. Uh, I also think for a spinoff, I think the idea of a of maybe a time jump from where we leave them in season five to season six, and I think we talked about this, <clears throat> or yeah. sorry, season uh, four to season five, I think that, that you could do a, a time jump, and in that time jump, I would love to see an anthology series featuring people from around Hawkins who we didn't follow and their experiences from seasons one to five of like sort of what they were going through as all this stuff was happening, I think would be really cool. And I think it'd be awesome to be able to focus on these, you know, different people in each episode. So that way it's not necessarily like we have to necessarily bring up a whole new group of kids or characters or what have you. We just get to spend, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, maybe at most with each character as we sort of just see their lives within Hawkins. I think you could totally do it. Cause I think by this point they've fleshed out stranger things to be so much more than this group of kids. It's so true. I mean, you know, it'd be hard to ignore everything that's been going on. Um, even without a direct connection to know that the labs were up to no good and all that stuff. I mean, when the mall starts getting blown up and you're having crazy, you know, lava rippling earthquakes through the town, you, you, you've you got to at least have noticed a little something going on. So I think that that'd be a really fun idea to get that different perspective um, while also just filling in those gaps a little bit. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I just, I feel like they, <clears throat> again, they, they, they've got so much already established um, and I think it would be kind of fun, like, or even if they want to just show us, like, um, what's Susie doing all that time? <laughs> we get it just a Susie episode of, like, her experience or just, you know, even just these little things, even if it doesn't directly tie into what's going on, just, again, to explore the, the world in and around Hawkins, right? Like, do we do an anthology animated series instead? I think might be, I don't know, might be able to do a little more with that. Oh, that's yeah. See, that's fun. You could really have fun with it. I mean, show us an episode of uh, the teacher. Is that Mr. Clark? Um, you know, who yes. does the the whole thing with the paper? You know, show, give an episode of him. What does he do on a Friday night for excitement? You know, He's so Just good. That well, how does thing. he eat his ice cream? You know. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There we go. I like it. Well, uh, I guess we're gonna have to wait. Unfortunately, a couple years, I imagine. Um, you know, to see what they've got going on here. Uh, you know, if Netflix doesn't even know what the spinoff series are going to be about, we're certainly a ways away from finding out. And then who knows how long it's going to take for them to uh, to get 
Stranger Things five up and running and 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 to our eyeballs. But uh, I think uh, there's a lot of excitement around this this franchise, and and that's a good thing, certainly. Uh, all right, well, let's shift from uh, one. Uh, streaming platform to another. Our next story here comes from Ryan Anthony de, de Alessandro at Deadline. Um, in news more comparable to a confirmation than a surprise, Charlie Cox's Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin are set to return for the Echo TV series on Disney+. Plus. In the Hawkeye Disney Plus series, we learned Kingpin is the guardian to deaf superhero Echo, uh, Echo, sorry, aka Maya Lopez. However, he did kind of kill her father. Uh, so, in the finale of Hawkeye, Echo goes after the big guy. After Kingpin sur- survives a car crashing into him and blasts from trick arrows, we hear Echo firing a gun at him. But it's all off screen. Did he survive? It kind of sounds like he did. Uh, I think we all sort of had that feeling. Anyways, in Echo, Maya returns to New York as a gang leader and reconnects with her Native American roots. Now, in addition, the last we saw of Cox's Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, was in Spider-Man No Way Home, providing legal advice to Tom Holland's Peter Parker after he left Catastrophe in the City. Cox played Matt Murdock and Daredevil in three seasons of the Netflix Marvel series Daredevil from 2015 to 18, as well as the 2017 spinoff The Defenders. He knocked heads with D'Onofrio's Wilson Frisk Kingpin in Daredevil's first and third seasons. All of those Netflix Marvel shows are now on Disney+, Plus, with a fourth season of Daredevil in the works. Uh, Zahn McLaren, Cass Spencer, Tat, uh, Tantu Cardinal, Devery Jacobs, Cody Lightning, and Graham Greene also star in the series. Marion Dare is head writer. Sydney Freeland and Castriona McKenzie direct episodes. Echo is expected to hit Disney+, Plus next year. So I don't think we were really surprised by this news, um, but are we no, happy to have no. it confirmed? It's not a surprise, but it's great to have the confirmation that they're going to be in the series. You know, with the way things ended in, in Hawkeye, it was very much a, a fan theory that he he survived. And I, I enjoy if they go the route of the comics and make him blind and they do things like that, then I think there's going to be some interesting parallels uh, to kind of create between Daredevil and Kingpin and Echo, uh, all just kind of uh, coping with their uh, enhanced abilities, if you will. If something's going on with Kingpin and Fisk, he he at the end of Hawkeye, it seemed like he was getting some of like as you said, Nate, that super soldier serum, and that would be pretty cool if he was was kind of uh, you know, I guess juicing <laughs> to right. a certain degree. He was juicing. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that's that's a great way to to tie it in to everything else that we've we've been seeing and especially after Falcon and Winter Soldier I think really setting up the idea of the sort of criminal underworld of the MCU getting access to the super soldier serum of course you've got the 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 biggest criminal in and I think in the entirety of the the underground of the MCU and I think with him um yeah he could be totally juicing up um I it's funny that you read this story and I I get reminded that uh Devery Jacobs is going to be in this show um, and Reservation Dogs, uh, the trailer for season two just came out. And I know Justin and I are uh, we adore that show. Um, I can't mm-hmm. wait to see her in this. I'm wondering if if she almost is almost like a mentee uh, character uh, from from Echo, uh, I think would be really, really neat to see them maybe working together. Uh, and obviously, if she's going to be connecting more with her 
with her Native American roots, that's that's going to be that connection there, right? So I'm just 100%. wondering if they maybe they were friends to be you know beforehand, mm-hmm. um, before she went off and, and started, yeah, being in a gang. Maybe she's yeah, maybe she's her sister would be awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm this honestly, this just makes me so much more excited for for these characters. I can't wait to see Echo. Uh, and I think it's a it's a, it's an interesting based off of what this is talking about though. I will say, I, I originally pictured Echo as a continuation of a bit of Hawkeye's story as well. But this really does sound like no, no, no. It's we're bringing in Fisk. We're gonna bring in Daredevil. But it's not gonna have anything to do with like a Hawkeye or a Hawkeye season two situation. It's going to really focus in on Echo and uh, and her experience. But um, yeah, the idea that that. Uh, that she's going to be potentially working with Daredevil in this, I think is, is super cool. Really interesting. Yeah. Like a a Hawkeye season two would be fantastic and that can still happen probably much later. But Mm -hmm. the fact that they're continuing parts of the story from Hawkeye in another series and then, you know, proactively using it as a way to reintroduce uh, Matt Murdock as Daredevil and Wilson Fisk as, as Kingpin just allows for obviously more stories to be told. And, you know, we know after this, we'll probably get the Daredevil series. This is where the Daredevil series will pick up after Echo. Um, so, you know, they're all just feeding into one another. And I think that the that mentality works for Marvel to kind of look at these as just, you know, they don't need to be like full-fledged multiple seasons. They can just be, you know, mini series that are just feeding into other character introductions, other world building elements that, that matter to the story that they're telling. And spoilers for Hawkeye. Um, so if you if you haven't watched it yet, uh, feel free to skip ahead by thirty seconds or whatever. But um, Zon McLarnon, who is absolutely fantastic, I'm going to be talking about him in my my uh, maybe my watch here later. But uh, he is, um, as we know from Hawkeye, you know, based on him being in this series, what that's got to be what flashbacks. It's got to be. Um, you know, maybe we're going to see him. Do you think it's a force ghost situation or something like that? Or <laughs> I think we'll see some early, uh, you know, early stuff with him and, and, and Fisk and everything like that versus yeah. any, any Qui-Gon action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think flashbacks make the most sense to see his character yeah. come back. Cause that's how we were introduced to him in the but first I, place. But I also was, know like, again, flashback. and this is only, from my understanding of what I've seen in Reservation Dogs, which is that, you know, it is possible that we could potentially be being seeing him as a spiritual entity, right? Maybe to she Echo? does. Yeah, yeah, maybe Echo is able to connect with him in some way uh, and, yeah, that's and, true. and see him or even just hear his memories. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked for this. This is this is so exciting. So exciting. Yeah, that's interesting, given that the, you know, the article says that she's going to be getting back to her Native American roots. Maybe that that is the connection for her and right and that's uh where the the character you suggested maybe her sister or whatever maybe that's what that relationship's all about is is finding that sort of connection um mm-hmm. really cool ideas you're you guys are on uh uh prediction rolls so far i'm i'm hey, uh, let's i'm go. In, enjoying the uh the guesses here it's great it's mostly nate with the predictions dude it's because i'm eating ice cream out of a bowl with a cone dude i'm telling you <laughs> get on my level uh no but <laughs> i uh yeah man it, i think it's one of the most fun things and also one of the most dangerous things to do as a fan uh, as we talked about on our uh our thor uh, Love and Thunder spoiler cast, which you, you definitely should also go check out. Um, and he's know. and he's hitting up those plugs like no hey, tomorrow. Look go. at this guy. 
Why am I even sitting in this chair? This, this should be all we need. <laughs> no, no, you're doing X. Keep going, keep going. You're good. All right, well, let's stick with the MCU for our last story here, which is from Boris Kitt at Hollywood Reporter. Uh, now, this article uh, was a little interesting because some of the phrasing uh, in this article got people uh, more yeah. than a little oh, yeah. riled up. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, if you watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know that Anthony Mackie's Sam w- Wilson has picked up the mantle of the star-spangled hero. He is America's ass. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, some wording in this article was a little bit like, well, he won't be playing Falcon, so... And it was even even Chris Evans had to be like, yeah, because he's Captain America, guys. <laughs> Did you not watch uh, the show? <laughs> yeah. You know, anybody who watched the show would know that. Um, so while that was an interesting uh, aspect of the article, there was actually some news, uh, new information provided. Uh, in the exclusive reveal, it was announced that Nigerian-American filmmaker... Juias Ona, best known for the two th- uh, 2018 thriller The Cloverfield Paradox, will direct the oh. fourth installment of the Captain America film franchise for Marvel Studios. Now, it's not known what the paths for the character will be next, but something thought-provoking is likely, as Malcolm Spellman, the creator and head writer of Winter Soldier, is penning the script with Dallin Musin, a staff writer on the show. No start date has been revealed for the movie. Uh, Ona was born in Markurdi, Nigeria, and lived uh, with locals around the world thanks to a diplomat parent before settling in the U.S. His shorts made the festival rounds, while his NYU film school thesis movie attracted Spike Lee as an exec producer. J.J. Abrams tapped him to direct a feature set in the producer's Cloverfield world, and while that studio movie misfired, he gained strong notices for his return to his roots rebound, the 2019 indie drama Loose. Uh, the neon movie starred Naomi Watts, Tim Roth, Calvin Harrison Jr., and Octavia Spencer, debuted at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival, and garnered three Indie Spirit Award nominations, including Best Director. Uh, so what do we think of the news that A, Malcolm Spellman will be returning to write the fe- feature-length production after uh, writing the, uh, the TV show for the character? And then what do we think of the addition of a relatively unknown director to the MCU, especially considering the list of big names that have helmed many of these uh, last entries into the sprawling movie franchise? Um, well, first, I think it's it's great that they've brought on the writer from the series to help continue uh, with the stories and, and themes that were established in in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I really hope that this means that we'll see more of Isaiah Bradley and, and Eli Bradley and their stories told uh, in, in the cinematic world to kind of introduce, you know, uh, the Patriot for potentially a young Avengers. And honestly, to to bring on a, a fresh voice uh, to, to help tell this story, I think that's so smart. It continues with what Marvel's really trying to do in finding these uh, directors that can have an interesting take on on the material and i'm wondering if you know again this movie might be a larger dive into the conversation that i think the series very much established which which is race in america and the idea of captain america being black and what that means and using that as a allegory to talk about a a bigger issue that does really connect back to the real world but only time will tell and honestly i'm so excited for just new directors to step into the director's chair for some of these larger scope movies Uh, you know again we've been seeing it through their series and through the movies that they are really choosing directors with unique voices and you know, it's it's so integral for what they're trying to build. I think it's important, especially when when there is so so such a theme of cultural identity 
it's important to to have that represented on both sides yeah. of the camera. And I guarantee that the failings of you know the, the Cloverfield paradox uh, has as much to do with writing and everything as it does with the director. I, I bet very little falls on on his shoulders in terms of the blame sure. for that one not working out so well. Sure, especially when you see what what something that. You know, maybe he could relate to a little bit more in terms of a story, in terms of, of everything mm-hmm. like that. It, 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 the work seems to d- just come a little bit more naturally. So I agree. I think having these unique voices is important at times, and it doesn't always have to be a director with, with 20 big budget uh, films under their belt because they can often come in and, and feel a little stale or a little repetitive. So I'm all for, uh, for different and unique voices. Yeah, I I think it's um it's going to be interesting <clears throat> for this movie in particular. Like I think my favorite parts of Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially around uh Sam's, you know, um journey are with Isaiah and are with Eli and and if they find a way to almost sort of bring in um as a as a sort of collective story um and and can give us a little more Eli. That would be really cool. I'm very interested to see who they're sort of casting alongside as well. I mean, Sebastian Stan, obviously we already know that that already is is something that would work, but give me something different. Like who who could like could we maybe see uh Sam paired up with, you know, another one of our our Avengers? How does that work or you know what I mean? Like I just I don't know where the story is necessarily going to go uh in general, but I'm excited to see him as Captain America. Uh, and just excited to see that interaction with other characters because we really didn't get that from the show. And so to see him leading a group of people, I think would be really cool. Okay. Now, okay, right off the top of your head, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Uh-huh. Who would be a couple characters? Who would who would you love to see him work with? N- never mind that you think could actually happen, but are there any potential you know, partnerships out there, ke- some chemistry that you think would work really well? Well, who who was the guy that he uh, he worked with in the in the army that we all thought yeah, the guy who's going to be Falcon? He's going to be the Falcon. right. He's going to be the new. Falcon. He's going to be the yeah. new Falcon. Whatever and that he'll, guy. He'll thinks. definitely. I wonder if he's yeah, going to be there. Uh, I think he'll hundred percent be there. I'm certainly I'm certainly of the mind like I'd rather see something new, uh, especially a new villain, especially rather than going back to the John Walker, the, the Zemos. I think we, we, we know when we're going to see them again with the, the Thunderbolts. And I think I'd love to see, yeah, something new, something fresh for the character. Um, and I do think you really do need to make it a big deal, I think, for Sam Wilson as Captain America to work, given just the legacy that Chris Evans, Steve Rogers had. I think it's going to take a lot to, to get some people on board, uh, you know, with with a new cap, and so there's got to be some sort of hook out there that that'll captivate people. I just thought of one off the top of my head, real quick here, but maybe not necessarily as a villain or someone in some capacity. I'd love to see uh, David Harbour's Red Guardian show up in yes in, in this movie. There you go. <laughs> that would be that would be, be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, as like a team up, that would be pretty bad. That would be pretty awesome. Would be... Even you're yeah. not the Captain America I'm familiar with. You know, uh, that was, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, I like it. Okay, that's the winner for sure. That's that's the one I'm going to go with and hope for. I I I would love I would love Red Guardian. For okay, I was. I think the more realistic answer would be Rhodey. I think I think we get 
I think we get him in. Sure. I think because he was already had a connection with him in the show. And I think the idea of them sort of both having gone through a loss of kind of their best friend and then coming together would be really beautiful. I think that could yeah. really work. Really That's work. a nice sentiment yeah, they, as well, yeah. yeah. Having Rhodes in, in the movie makes sense, especially with Armor Wars yeah. around the corner, right? Like, that I could set that, that up then. nicely. Okay, okay. Exactly. Or vice versa. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Oh, guys, you guys are on fire today. You guys are on absolute <laughs> fire. Um, so uh, let's see if we can keep it going in our next segment. We'll wrap up the news here. Uh, and I will just go and grab my banjo because it's trailer time. All right, dudes, with our first trailer here, you can all go to Shell because oh. it is for Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Uh, this is an upcoming American animated superhero comedy film based on the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated television series. Uh, which itself is part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Did you know that that show, I don't know if you guys uh, watched it at all, uh, it was the fourth animated TMNT show we've gotten in the last 30 years. That seems that seems a bit excessive. Uh, it's excessive. It's very much yeah, excessive. I agree. Uh, the film will be produced by Nickelodeon Movies and Nickelodeon Animation Studio and distributed by Netflix. I thought Netflix was, was ditching the animation game, and, and yet here we are with another one coming out. Uh, the film will be directed by series developers Ant Ward and Andy Siriano and stars the voices of Ben Schwartz, Omar Benson-Miller, Brandon Michael Smith, Josh Brenner, Kat Graham, Eric Baza, and Haley Joel Osment. Uh, a continuation of the TV series, the film's plot follows Leonardo as he is forced to lead his brothers to save the world from the Krang. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, is scheduled to be released on August 5th, 2022. All right, Just, you're the big turtle head in the group. What are your thoughts? Well, I I, I got to be honest with you. I, n I never really hooked into the series. I think it was it was too much of a kid show for me at the end of the day. Like, uh, it had some good qualities. You know, I really did like how they hey, rounded out the personalities of each of the turtles uh, built around what we already knew about each of them, like Raphael being the tough guy, Leonardo always wanting to be the leader, and, and so on and so forth. But the comedy just felt so, like, for kids and and for that reason um i never really got into the series but that being said this movie looks like it could be a lot of fun um I, you know I, I really do like what they're doing with incorporating more of the time travel elements you know we got krang in this one so the stakes seem very elevated for it it seems very cinematic or movie-esque if you will but i really like what they're doing with uh you know casey jones being a time traveler and he's being sent to the past almost very terminator style uh by leonardo so uh, you know there's there's some cool elements here uh but yeah again even in this trailer the comedy I don't know if it always landed. It still feels like it's going to have a lot of that sort of kid sensible humor, which again, I didn't really connect to the series of that, but I don't think you need to watch the series really to get a sense of this. If you know the turtles, then you know what's going on. So. Because it's the, the Ninja Turtles. You exactly. basically know what's going on. You know who these characters are. I don't think you'll you'll need to have watched the, the television yeah. show to, to really know who these characters are. So it does seem like, there's a pretty safe little bet to just have a, a, a standalone movie that isn't, you know, the, the, the TV show won't be necessary viewing. Yeah, I I, I will say, though, um, 
like Ben Schwartz is just going to be every animated character that you grew up with at this point. Like we, you know what I mean? Like we got him in Sonic. He's he's a turtle now. Uh, he's he's been in so much. And I listen. I love the guy. I think he's great. I just I don't know if I need him to be in every any every animated show because um, he's also. This reminded me a lot of Ducktales, um, Disney XD. DuckTales series, yeah, yeah. I thought this looks very similar, very uh, similar animation style as well. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. This is coming out on August 5th, which is two years after um, the date that the show actually ended. I guess I think it ended on the August 7th, uh, two years earlier. So um, it's it's kind of an interesting date to choose there. But <clears throat> I will say for as cool as this looked, I love the lighting effects. I I just I the comedy did not hit me that much in this yeah. trailer. And I think it's either the fact that self-referential humor, especially coming from Ben Schwartz, is is getting a little overplayed at this point or or mm-hmm. maybe would it be better if if I had watched the show, maybe I would sort of click with it a little bit more. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's such a a Donnie from the show thing to say or what have you." Um I'm wondering if that might be why I'm not chuckling at this but i'm i'm intrigued but, i want to see it I, but 100%, i don't know yeah i'm intrigued too i definitely will watch it i i'm, I'm a huge turtles fan and I'll, I'll check it out and i i did like i said i checked out the series originally and I, to your point nate the comedy is very it's very overt and it's very in your face right yeah, like and him, it, him and saying almost... like him saying like i i did and like I can totally hear little kids chuckling at that. You know what I mean? But like, I mean, guys, I'm this is there this, like, this <sighs> movie, like the TV show, are rated TV seven. You know, Y seven. Like, this is yeah. this is not for you guys. You know, there's <laughs> turtles, Kevin. Yeah, there are no, turtles. No, I, this is I the turtles for a new generation. I think yeah, that's that's, fair. that's the that's whole fair. goal here, and start totally. them at seven, six, seven years old with something they can absolutely jump onto. That's how you sell your toys. That's fair. But what is what is confusing about the Turtles property is how much is going on. So we have this movie. We also have a Seth Rogen animated movie coming, I believe, to Netflix as well, because they, they have a deal with Nickelodeon for, for Turtles projects. And there's been a lot of buzz around potentially a live action very much in the same vein as as the the 90s. And a lot of people want that. They want a lot of fans of the Turtles would love to see uh you know, a new take that that very much is reminiscent of of the early film because that movie was was fantastic and everything after it just was the commercialization of the success from the first movie because you know it gave live action turtles. So, but at this point, um, we have more iterations of the turtles than we have of Spider Man, right? And that's, that's what I mean. like they that's, just give that's them. My problem. Just give Nickelodeon. Just give it to Disney. Give it to Marvel. Let them do it. <laughs> just let them give it to Kevin Feige. I don't care. No, I, put them in a Daredevil show mashup. Let's go. Give me that. I don't, I could care less. I could totally see the turtles jiving uh, I, in a multiverse somewhere. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if these other studios are able to hit it. Maybe Sony. I think could be maybe the only other one that I would. I want to see take this on Sony Animation. I think could do a great job. Oh, okay. Sony you know? Animation. Okay. Sony Animation yeah, in like particular. It's very, yeah. Yeah. Of course. If it's very into the Spider Verse style, then yes, one hundred percent, that could work. But I think the biggest thing about all of these different iterations of the Turtles is that, you know, they they don't necessarily speak to all audiences because the Turtles do reach a very wide spanning audience from older to younger. And yeah. I feel like everything is either targeted for different age groups. And really what they need to do is create something that the kids that grew up with the turtles would appreciate 
while also, you know, introducing a new generation to these characters. Hopefully Seth Rogen's new movie will will do that. I, I hope so. Well, that's the interesting thing, too, is like we've gotten enough iterations now that, Kev, as you say, are for kids and this is for kids. And heck, maybe I might end up being really delighted by this movie. But I, I agree with you, Justin, that there's a, a whole group of people out there, a whole group of Turtles fans who really, outside of the comics, haven't really gotten their fill. And so I feel like they could totally... As you said, if somebody handles it right, it's not hard. Just literally be like, cool, what do, what do the 90s fans want? Give them that. There you go. Done. Yeah, I think I think the idea of, you know, a bunch of pizza-eating Ninja Turtles literally is, it, it almost needs to be handled a bit more seriously for it to work. If it's too goofy, if it's too silly, it does just come off as commercial cheese. And, and that's yeah. what the first movie and Watch. the first movie alone... Yeah did so well um so but i don't know if i don't know if they'll ever go that route again um it'd it'd be it'd be a refreshing change that's for sure awesome well uh we're moving on to amsterdam which is an upcoming period mystery comedy uh film directed produced and written by david o russell filmed in los angeles uh it marks russell's first film since 2015's joy in the film, three friends, a doctor, a nurse, and an attorney become the prime suspects in a murder in the 1930s. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington leave a huge ensemble cast that includes Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Timothy Oliphant, Taylor Swift, Alessandro Nivola, Rami Malek, and Robert De Niro. <laughs> Amsterdam is scheduled to be, re- be released in the United States on November 4th, 2022 by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. Uh, I think we've got our first uh, our first automatic entry into the best picture category for for next year's Oscars. Dude, if there was an Oscar for most impressive cast, this might be also <laughs> up there uh, for the movies from this year. Because, dude, uh, absolutely unreal. And I love I love the fact that yes, we're getting the heavy hitters. We get our John David Washington, our Robert De Niro, Margot Robbie, Christian Bale. But we get Chris Rock, we get Taylor Swift, we get Mike Myers coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor mm-hmm. Swift for me is like I can't wait to see what they what they do with Swift. her. Supposedly, supposedly she is uh, the daughter of the person who gets murdered. Um, so I think we're gonna get to see more dramatic uh, side of of Taylor Swift, which I'm very intrigued by. And again, I think it's funny we we talked about Selena Gomez in Only Murders in the Building, and it's these these sort of stunt casting things where you're like Taylor Swift, but like, you don't know, man, maybe, maybe. And I, I'm excited to find out uh, if she does have those acting chops. Cause I think that'd be really cool. Considering next year, we'll also get a couple heavy hitter ensemble cast movies with Barbie and uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Like this one right out of the gate before 2023. It, it's awesome. And I think you're right, Nate, like there's no Oscar for ensemble cast, but I'm pretty sure there is one for the SAG Awards. So there is an ensemble cast and I could see this very much winning for that to see david o russell kind of doing his take on a murder mystery makes me wonder how many people in hollywood really loved knives out yeah. and wanted to tell tell their own version it's the second week in a row been... that we're talking about a murder mystery trailer and like there's right. a sequel to knives out coming like are we going to be murder mysteried out by by this point you know everyone seems to be doing i guess their own take on it i think when we experience it we'll notice the similarities here you know again it's it's classic david o russell it, this looks like it's going to be a very fast-paced fast-moving story 
that is going to be highlighted by its its trio, but very much the uh, ensemble cast, the eccentric cast that's existing outside of this trio. I think that's going to be very much the the driving force of of this movie. Yeah, and I I love so the like, idea that it's centering around a, a fictional story, but in and around actual events. Which events, the trailer yeah. doesn't really tell us what those events are. I feel like um, like it literally says a lot of this actually happened, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but clearly, I think. I think it's going to focus in and around, obviously, the Great Depression uh, and Amsterdam being such a huge part of that. Um, I think that there's a reason they're in Amsterdam in the 30s. Um, but I just don't know what sort of the, 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 the catalyst event that they're kind of all thinking, like referencing. And, and we see Robert De Niro's character just being like, I could be, you know, I could get killed for doing this. And it's like, well, what does that even mean? So um, I'm intrigued. It looks like a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see T-Swift. Uh, act the crap out of that character let's go let's go uh yeah no it's definitely exciting it's uh you know you mentioned all these movies of a similar genre going on and it's crazy that the movie that actually kind of started off this kick was murder on the uh oriental express yes uh you know but True. that didn't receive nearly the same kind of reaction from critics or audiences that knives out did a couple years later and i mean I didn't. I don't. I bet you most people don't even know that the the sort of sequel to that movie, uh, Death on the Nile, came out this year. And you know who saw that movie? Uh, I don't know. But of the people who did, nobody seemed to like. My it, dad you know? watched it. My dad watched okay. it. He okay. said it was stupid. There we go. So <laughs> and for the kind uh, of movies know. he watches, like that's actually pretty damning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, there's nothing worse than somebody whose opinion you're a little on the fence with, and they and even they say it's bad. You're like, okay. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, but so, you know, for every good one, there, there is a stinker that sort of just falls by the wayside. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So as long as I can avoid uh, those crappy ones and stick with the good ones, which I think this, uh, as well as, uh, see, see how they run, which we talked about last week, uh, in, in this week in geek, I think, uh, there's some really fun, uh, murder mystery movies coming out. It's a really fun genre. I love a good whodunit. So keep it up, uh. You know, especially in the hands of somebody like David or Russell. The guy might be a dickhead, but man, can he direct a good film? Yeah, and also just his take on on doing. You, you've always said, Kevin, like Sorkin has a a way to take actual events and fictionalize them and dramatize them in a way that that you know it's not so much about how it actually happened; it's dramatizing the events for for the film. And I think that David O. Russell has that same sort of approach to the stories that he tells because I think that there's been a lot of stories in in other movies that he's tell, told where they do kind of revolve around a specific period or a timeline and an event and things are very much associated with that and and, and told in a very unique way. But yeah, no, I like the idea. He's uh, I'm going to start calling it uh, Corgian storytelling where you take actual events but you you put an entertaining spin on them <laughs> to make the, you know, the story a bit more entertaining. That's, that's Sorkin? Corgian. 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 Sorkin does it, O'Russell does it, and Korg does it the best. All right, there let's move into our final trailer here. Uh, this one uh, if you grew up as a stoner in the uh, late 90s, this movie is exciting for you, let me tell you. Uh, we've got Clerks 3, an upcoming comedy film written, produced, directed, and edited by Kevin Smith. Uh, it's intended to serve as the sequel to the 1994 and 2006 Clerks films and is the ninth overall feature film set in the View askew universe. After surviving a heart attack, Randall Graves decides to make a movie with Dante Hicks about their lives at the Quick Stop convenience store. 
The movie stars Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, Trevor Furman, Austin Zajour, Jason Mewes, Rosario Dawson, and Kevin Smith. And the film, uh, sorry, no, I already got that. Uh, and the film is set to have its world premiere on September 4th, 2022 in Red Bank, New Jersey, before its wide release on September 13th by Lionsgate. Uh, so just, we've seen a lot of the uh, view, view, askew, view, view askew universe in theaters. Yeah. Uh, we we yeah, grew up yeah, with these yeah. guys. And uh, yeah. uh, I mean, Clerks, Clerks is amazing. Clerks 2. It, it was a hit and miss movie for me, I know, but uh, I I've, I've forgotten I have forgotten a lot of Clerks too, but I was very very happy with with this trailer and seeing it very much feel like it was picking up from the first Clerks, uh, more or less, and and you know seeing uh, Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran uh, show up and very much be just older versions of themselves, I think is very fitting. Um, I think the trailer does does a really good job of, as as it even points out, being uh, very meta. I'm excited to see what movie they turn out of this of this movie. Well, I think one of the coolest things about it is it looks like the more you know about the actual making of Clerks and everything Kevin Smith had to do, uh, just how he approached writing it, financing it, uh, and then even changes he made to the script as they were filming, they. These references to that all seem to make an appearance in this movie. And so not only is it just a meta sort of, you know, it's a sequel about actually making the first movie, movie with a yeah. whole bunch of real details that we've never seen before. Uh, I just think it's a really cool idea. It's it's the most excited I've been for a Kevin Smith movie in a while. This looks this looks like a lot more what he you know how he started off um and and I, again returning to the the this cast at this location uh you know i, I think one of the, the the biggest mistakes of clerks too was taking it out of the quick stop and yeah and taking yeah. it over to movies and and yeah, it yeah, almost looks yeah. like this is going to be more of a direct sequel to one and the only parts of two that yes. you're going to get are Rosario Dawson's Rosario character, Dawson. and then I think Elias. Uh, you know, he had the uh, encounter sure. with the, yeah, yeah. the the donkey uh, in two. Yeah, He's yeah. in this one too, <laughs> but I think I think for the most part we're going to be centered more on this. Will be a, a follow up from the first movie. Well, to that uh, to that yeah. point, Kevin, <clears throat> and bringing in real life things. I've never uh, just for uh, clarity. I've never watched any of this. Um, but didn't didn't Kevin Smith Kevin Smith had a heart attack, right? And so that's kind of what they're playing off of with Randall's character in this. Exactly. Is, yep. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great call. Yeah. Yeah. I it yeah. I will say this this definitely looks like a lot of fun. I'm very happy for all the Clerks fans and and Kevin Smith fans who are like pumped up about this. I um I think you know what the the my own worst enemy by Lit playing that to this is like I just was like. I feel like I'm back in the '90s. Like I'm, I was only, I was only, Dude, it was I was perfect. pretty young when I when when they first uh, showed these when these movies came out. But I, I I definitely felt that from the music, and I just I do sort of feel like I'm peering into a universe of in jokes, and I want to be in those jokes. Um, but I, I need to ask you guys, how many movies <laughs> do I have to watch in order to be ready for this? Like, is it just Clerks one and two, or you said there's nine movies in this? I mean. I, I I think uh, you <laughs> you you'd like about half of the the nine movies if you were to go and watch uh, them all. It's it. I think getting the joke would be recognizing actors and maybe the characters that they played in other movies. But I'm just not sure how integral. Like I, I don't know if Jason Lee's going to be back in this one playing his character Brody from Chasing Amy, 
or if okay. it's just going to be Jason Lee making an appearance as a different character, much like Ben Affleck. Uh, you know, is he going to be his Chasing Amy character, his Mallrats character, or is he just going to be another Ben Affleck character in the universe? I wonder if they're going to like go super meta and have them come in as like variations of their characters. You know what I mean? Like you see Ben Affleck as maybe his chasing Amy character. I'd be cool if he was Ben Affleck. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Like imagine he's auditioning. He's like he's his career has hit rock bottom, so he's he's auditioning for this local film that well, they're making. Sure, I'm pretty sure Ben Affleck and Matt Damon play themselves in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think we've okay. already seen they that at, at this okay. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about yeah. these apples? Goodwill Hunting Two, <laughs> Hunting Season. Um, uh, yeah, there's so, some there's some good ones there's some good ones though in that series like I really loved Dogma I loved Clerks uh, I think those were really great movies Mallrats and Chasing Amy I, I would choose Mallrats over Chasing Amy yeah, Zach and think, Zach and Mir- is Zach and Miri part of it I don't know no? if that would be included in the actual universe or not right it's really no, tough to I say. don't think so so I would say yeah. either I think at the very least go and watch Clerks 1 and 2 so you know who the main characters are you know what the story is You'll be ready for this one. And then okay. if you really want to go on a deep dive, just watch anything Kevin Smith has done, essentially, that, you know, because there's very little outside of the universe that uh, that would, well, that what's, would constitute. What's, what's the horror movie he did with Justin Long? Uh, so that's uh, 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 not Walrus. What is it? Is it Tusk. Wal- Tusk. 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 Yeah. Tusk, I don't think, <laughs> so would be weird. in the universe. <laughs> Uh, okay. I don't think uh, he also did Red State. I don't think that would be in the universe. I'm not no, even sure if no. Cop Out would, would fit into the universe. Okay. No, yeah, well, for sure. I'll just yes. get you guys to make me a playlist I'll and I'll, put I'll have to go through it. a list of the ones that I think anything yeah, with with Jay and Silent Bob. There's your there's your connective thread. That's your if, anchor. Yeah, yeah. If Jay and Silent Bob and are I, in it, then I would say there that's the universe and, and so I could put together a list for you to watch. Okay. And a huge shout out to Kevin Smith for referencing Jay and Silent Bob is the R2D2 video of the series because they totally are. The exact way Randall describes it in this trailer, that is exactly who Jay and Silent Bob are throughout the entire movie. So funny. So funny. I'll just say I'm super disappointed. There's uh, a big tour that's going on uh, this this fall. Uh, and Kevin Smith is traveling to uh, 12 or 14 cities across uh, the northern United States. And there's a screening of the movie, uh, Q&A afterwards. And then I think this is a great price. You pay 125 bucks, you get a meet and greet photo op with Kevin Smith, as well what? as a Kevin Smith signed <coughs> copy of the Clerks uh, 3 script. Um, wow. Which is just, I would love something like that. That's a dream. It would be amazing to meet him. Uh, and to have like a signed script by him would just be awesome. Unfortunately, there's only one Canadian stop. That's in Vancouver, and then uh, yeah, all the rest are are in uh, the states. The closest one well, would be about a nine-hour trip to New York in September. They're both going to be at Fan Expo uh, this year in August. So if yeah. you buy a script, maybe maybe you could take it to get him to sign it. Right there, you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There you go. I'll have to. I'll have to figure something out. But I'll tell you what. If that was coming to Toronto, I'd be there. Even yeah, because it's right around when uh, Baby Robbie's due. I, Sarah, mm. you you go to the hospital. I'll meet you after I see the movie. I'll <laughs> let you know how it is. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but maybe maybe not. Maybe Clerks Three isn't quite that that kind of movie. But uh, you have we'll them sign. Have, the, have them sign the sonogram. Just have them sign exactly. the sonogram. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, that'd be oh, awesome. All righty. Well, that I believe on that note, especially, he's going to wrap it up for trailer time. Uh, why don't we move into Whatcha? This is where we like to uh, just uh, share a little something that we've been watching, playing, reading, anything like that. Nate, why don't you uh, lead us off? What you been up to? Yeah, man. Uh, you know what? I've <clears throat> I I got pretty stoked uh, because Westworld's back. Uh, Westworld is back in in full force, and we're three episodes in. And I think it's interesting. Um, I I forgot how long it sort of takes for these seasons to get going, uh, and so it you know watching the first two episodes, I was kind of like. I really, they're really stretching this out. Um, but getting into the third episode without spoiling anything, it's starting to have a lot of fun. There's some self-referential narratives uh, and some even some light humor, uh, which is pretty cool to, to see in Westworld because it's usually pretty dour and dark. But um, it's opening up slowly. I, I will say it's still confusing as hell. And I'm starting to, I am starting to understand the season's direction, but I can't help but feel as though at this point the non-linear storytelling is kind of dampening my experience a little bit because I, I you know I, as I'm watching it there's these really incredible moments but I don't I'm thinking to myself I'm like I'm distracted by the idea of like what character what version of this character am I watching because if, if you've watched Westworld again it's not a spoiler to say there are multiple versions of the same body of a character and sometimes they're different people or or different entities and so it's it is kind of distracting me uh from feeling the weight of certain scenes um but dude it's still some of the best sci-fi i've ever seen on tv i am i'm still i still love the show and i think uh i think it's it's been it's been really fun and it's they're they're almost feeling like they're kind of in a reboot with uh with this season um so far so it's it's just it's very different um and i'm intrigued to see how it all starts to come together in the end um with especially with the fact that it is non-linear but um yeah i don't know man it's a ride <laughs> i mean i was starting to feel that even just through season two yeah uh, and that's kind of where i fell off and i think it's the kind of show where I couldn't go back now and then just pick up where I left off. It's been too many have years. To start over. I, I'm going to have yeah. to start over. Uh, is this yeah. the final season? Have they I confirmed that at all, or there's so there's no real? I don't know. I hope it is. Like again, I'm not going to say any spoilers, but this feels like that's the direction that they're taking it, um, especially with Bernard's storyline um, in this season. I do think that this should be the final season and especially after what happened in season three with Dolores uh, again I'm, I don't want to say too much but you you gotta you definitely have to watch it all the way through and maybe honestly maybe it is one of those shows that is better binged than it is week to week because again I, I did just keeping track of everything right? I think I'd, I, I'd, I'd have an easier time remembering where everyone was you know in the multiple yep. storylines and everything that's kind of my hesitation with wanting to start it because it has been so long since season three mm-hmm. and I feel like if this is the final season then I'm just gonna watch them all from one to four get the get the full story and the full experience of yeah. it that slow burn is very much what makes a Westworld Westworld totally right? and so. I, I totally get that I just feel like you know we're now we're now at the the fourth season like 
you know, change that up a little bit. Like it was fresh. It was exciting, but you've done it now for three seasons, the, the nonlinear thing. So I, I just feel like, you know, Jonathan Nolan, just like his brother, you know, this, this, there's moments of this that feel more tenant and I want it to feel more inception. If that makes any sense. Right. Like I, I think, I think it, it, it's You're confused. It's, I'm very confused, and I want to. I want to understand a little bit more. But it's like where, where in season one to three, the confusion was the fun part. It's kind of getting a little annoying in these in these first three episodes. But again, we're only three episodes in. Hit me up, you know, uh, two more weeks from now, th- yeah, or or three. I think it's only. I think it's a much shorter season. I don't know if they're doing uh, a full, you know, massive season. I think they've only got eight episodes this season. So hit me up by episode six and, and I'll, I'll, I'll report back to tell you if it's uh, gone more inception than it is tenant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Uh, all right, just, well, uh, what you been up to? Well, I actually just wrapped, um, wrapped watching Dave season two. Yes. Um, cause it's on Disney plus so and, good. um, it was so good, especially the way it ended. Oh. Um, and the way it told the story of 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 uh, Gaeta and Little Dicky, I, I think mm-hmm. it was uh, was such a it was such a heartfelt moment. It actually caught me by surprise. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think they they very much were leading in one direction with what where you thought the story was going to end and the sort of reveal, if you will. It was actually surprising. I, I think the the one thing that stood out to me at the end of of the season is is really the juxtaposition of of Dave's journey and Gaeta's journey. Yeah. And the way they find themselves at the end of it um, really does hone in on the idea of different experiences based on different opportunities. Little Dickie knows that he comes from from a different life. And when he is rapping and when he is doing his thing, it is very much him. That is his image. And, you know, in hip hop and in rap culture, yeah, it is about having an image and a persona, right? Because some of the best rappers that we that we know and love, it's their image that 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 uh, very much stands out. I love in some of the episodes how he talks about his branding and yeah. what, what the mentality behind around it is. And it was well done. It was, it was a really well, well done season. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out because it, it is a good time. And if you haven't seen Dave season one, like my God, what's wrong? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, but Kevin, I almost forgot about you. <laughs> what's ya? <laughs> what's ya been uh, watching? Well, I, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed in myself because I forgot that season two of Dave had had finally come to Disney Plus. So that'll definitely be uh, what I check out next. Uh, but uh, no, uh, I've been uh, I've hopped in my spaceship and I'm I'm all aboard for season three of For All Mankind over on Apple Plus. Uh, really dig. I love this show. Uh, I I just have so much fun with it, um, and I love how. It is just full on a show about space now. You know, back in mm-hmm. season one, it was very much you know an alternative history, and it was very fascinating to look at just how the world would have been different with with one or two minor changes uh, to to history. And now it's kind of moved to the point. Uh, I love. I mean, first of all, I love that we're about twenty five, thirty years further in time than we were when we started this show with the same cast, and so. Mm-hmm. It's just a really unique experience to to stay with a group of people and see them over various decades as these events happen to them. Uh, but yeah, now we're just full on. It's a full on space show, and uh, I'm really, really enjoying uh, everything that goes on. I think the pacing of the show is awesome. Uh, things 
you know, happen in a single episode that would be three, four, five episodes of any other show, uh, in my opinion. So I just love how it's like, you, this is the next thing that's going to happen. Boom, it happens. Let's set up for the next one. Boom, it happens. We, we're going. We're clicking along here, uh, moving along as fast as technology. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that. And then uh, really quickly, I've also started Severance. Yes, um, with, yes uh, Kevin. And yeah, so uh, I am just blown away by how confused uh, I am, <laughs> yet how much I'm enjoying the show. I really do. I really do dig its vibe. Yeah, Severance. Mm-hmm. Severance is, um, yeah, it 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 gives that lost vibe. I think that mystery box vibe. The idea that there that there's higher powers that know so much more uh, than our main group of characters. And dude, I'm so happy you're watching it. I can't wait to get to the ending, and I want to talk to you about it, and I want to I want to figure it out. And I I it would be amazing to uh, <laughs> to get to when season two comes out. If we could if we could talk more about that when that happens, but. Dude, For sure. I am. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I love Severance. I love. Okay, cool. So, Severance. so I'm. 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 I'm worried that I'm finding out too much too soon. Like I'm mm-hmm. almost like, am I figuring this thing out? But there's there's six episodes left. I think I'm yeah. only through the first three. So there's a lot more. There's a lot further down the rabbit hole. I get to fall in, in terms of not knowing what's going on. Oh, it's so good, dude. It's Excellent. so good. Excellent. And the finale is, I think, the best episode of the season. Um, and it's just the way it's written is so cool. I really dig it. Yeah, man. Nice. Yeah, and Adam Scott's great. Uh, it's neat to see Zach Cherry in like a full-on role yeah, instead he's not of just, just the, the sort of the the one flip, line. Spider-Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and and you know Christopher Walken. Yeah, the cast is great. The show's really trippy. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, I just know. Uh, I hadn't thought about watching it until my mom said she was going to start watching it. And now my mom is somebody who, if the plot isn't entirely explained to her in the first five minutes of something, she's like, yeah. this is stupid. I don't know what's going she on. She would hate Westworld, oh, dude. Don't let would, her watch oh, Westworld. She would hate Westworld. She would hate this one. She yeah. would hate this one, too. So yeah. I'm almost watching it so I can say, you know what? Go. She's she's digging for all mankind. So, okay. you know. It's, there you go. That, part of my job in life is finding shows that I think my mom will like just so she <laughs> just so she's a happy camper dude. Um, well right. tell her tell her my ice cream hack and i think dude i think we're all going to be trying that ice cream hack up at the cottage <laughs> this week Fantastic. Uh, all righty well that's it for this week in geek thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review we always appreciate the love uh, if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or if that feels a bit too much like uh, a fourth different Ninja Turtles iteration TV show <laughs> in the last 30 years, why don't you switch it up, hit us up on Twitter, at GeekCentricYT, and on Instagram, at WeAreGeekCentric. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Only Murders in the Building, Season 2, Episodes 1-6, to six, as well as The Man from Toronto, and the Sea Beast. Uh, we've also got our spoiler-free Thor Love and Thunder review, which Darcy and Justin absolutely killed it on. Uh, we have a ton of wicked interviews, like with Disney and Pixar's Lightyear director Angus McLean, producer Galen Sussman, and composer Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. Damn it! <laughs> uh, we've got awesome interviews with directors from Miss Marvel, 
as well as from Obi-Wan Kenobi. So go check those out. They're a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, you know what? Throw a five-star review on those, too, if you don't mind. And then finally, we have our reviews for Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2 and Thor Love and Thunder. All of these are spoiler-filled. We get deep. We dive in and give you our thoughts, not just on what happened in the shows and or movies, but what's going to happen next for these beloved franchises. But until next time, Nate, Justin, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as we say... Chikino. Love ya. <laughs> Get home safe, guys. <laughs> Peace.